Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Look, in fairness to Ian, uh, it's impossible to evaluate his play. Um, Hopefully we can uh, get a little healthier, get some guys back and uh, be ready to go next week. Welcome to the show. And first of all, let us be the first to wish you, the listener, a happy and healthy new year. Just a quick shout out that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Saints Wire. And uh, John, how you feeling after that Monday night loss to the Dolphins? That was kind of a debacle. You know, COVID issues, Ian Book's first start. It was kind of a, that was a rough one to watch. Oh, man. Uh, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> that's that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the nicest thing I can say about that yep. game. Is yep. I'm glad it's behind us. It was a mess. You know, you, you lose nearly two dozen guys to the COVID protocols. Uh, you, you lose both of your top two quarterbacks, all three starting linebackers. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins at safety. It, it was a mess. It, it, it was just, it was really a game that, that should have been moved. Um, honestly, I know there's a lot of talk of, oh, well, they should have moved it to Tuesday or Wednesday. Man, I want this game moved to, to a 1 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Get this out of my face as fast as possible. It was just, it was just bad. You know, I know the NFL uh, changed, changed its protocols with uh, COVID, which we'll, we'll talk about more in a second. But that, the only players who would have been able to come back if this were done before the game may have been tied in Jawan Johnson and Adam Troutman. And with all due respect, those guys, they're, they're not going to really turn the tide. Uh, with the end bucket quarterback and all the challenges the Saints had on defense. So it, it was a messy game. It, it was an ugly game. Um, not, not how I really wanted to spend my Monday evening, but I'm glad it's over, and uh, now we can look, look forward. It, it was going to be tough no matter what with Ian Book making his first start without Armstead, Ramchek, Pete, right? I mean, there was just so – all the, the whole offensive line is uh, is shuffled and there's backups in there, and uh, it was a tough spot for the kid. And Sean Payton came out after the game, John, and said, quote, look, in fairness to Ian, it's it's impossible to evaluate his play. Do you agree with the head coach that it's unfair to say that Ian Book can't play? You know what I mean? Is it, is it fair to say that after Monday night, or do you agree with Sean Payton there? I, I think there's a kernel of truth there. Um, it, it really was an impossible situation for, for any quarterback to step into where you're missing three of your five stars on the offensive line. You're, you're, you're down to two of your top four uh, tight ends. The receivers have been bad all year. I mean, there's there just so much in front of him. Uh, it was really tough to evaluate it. But at the same time, there are things we can look at and say, hey, this is a problem. Uh, Ian Book held, held the ball longer than any quarterback in Week 16. Uh, he averaged 3.3 seconds to throw. You can't do that when you're missing both of your starting offensive tackles, when you've got a career left guard starting at right tackle. You can't do that. So on top of that, of him you know, taking forever to throw, he also averaged the lowest uh, area, intended air yards per pass, according to NFL Next Gen stats, um, in the in uh, the entire week. So he's holding on to the ball too long. He's ultimately checking it down because he doesn't trust his arm to uh, get it over the Dolphins defenders further downfield. Um, it was just a really really bad game. There wasn't much to like, and it really makes me question why the Saints drafted this guy in the first place. I mean, there, there's just there's very little positive takeaways here. Now, now Sean Payton does have a point in that it was an uphill battle. But at the end of the day, you would think there would be something you could see in this game to you know, give you some, some kind of hope that you know the guy's not going to be a bust. You know, all the knocks 
on Ian Book that were you know coming into the draft, you know, that he didn't have like the strongest arm, that he wasn't that accurate, that he wasn't great at processing the field under pressure. We kind of saw that, right? And but one thing that we did hear was that he was mobile, and, and we heard that he was cut from the same cloth as Taysom, Taysom Hill, and. And I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't able to get away from the run. I mean, he was sacked eight times in this game. Not all of them were, were his fault. I understand that some of those he had no chance on, but he wasn't able to escape at all. He wasn't able to use his legs. What was it, three carries for six yards or something in the game? We didn't see that athleticism, that, that rushing ability, uh, that Taysom Hill factor. We didn't really get that. I thought that was something that disappointed me in the game. Yeah, you know, we saw some of that at times where he was escaping pressures here and there, but on the whole, it wasn't a real factor in this game. Uh, some of that's on Sean Payton, too, for not calling plays, not designing plays to his quarterback's strengths as a disaster. Um, it feels like you can count on one hand the number of times that they had a play act, uh, a rollout pass off of play action in this game. And so he, he both did not play well. Peyton did not do a good job putting him in a position to win. You know, one thing on Twitter that you were talking about during the game, John, is the usage between Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, right? And Mark Ingram only got a handful of carries, but you wanted to see him get more. Yeah, yeah. So Mark had four carries in four quarters of football. He, that just makes no sense. Um, I, I don't understand that. I, I don't get the I don't get the thinking there. And and he turned those four carries into 17 yards. So it's not like he was, you know, getting stuck with the line every time. He, he was running aggressively downhill, picking up positive yardage. They really should have leaned harder on him uh, in Book's first start, taking some pressure off of the rookie and got him going. Instead, we had a ton of ton of carries for Alvin Kamara, uh, which is fine. I mean, he's the he's the best player on the team. But where was the creativity here? You know, it was so frustrating watching this game go back and forth because when Miami had the ball. They were doing a fantastic job of getting Jalen Waddle going in from, just from a variety of alignments. You know, they had he's their their first round receiver this year, and he he ran a lot of routes from from the slot, from out wide. They also got him involved, you know, very creatively in the backfield. Uh, you know, they, they they ran some sweeps with him. They they had some really interesting things with uh, getting him in motion pre snap. Where's that creativity with Alvin Kamara? It, it felt like every run that he had was a just just one cut behind the guard for a for a gain of two yards, uh, <laughs> two yards in the cloud of dust. I, I, I mean, or or pellets from the turf, as it were. It, it felt like you know the most boring game plan that Sean Payton has uh, put together in in 15 years. It was just such. It was so disappointing to see. And it's not like the Dolphins are known as these offensive innovators either. And so to see like a mid tier team. Outclass Sean Payton in the Superdome on Monday night. I, I can't remember the last time that happened. Um, well, maybe maybe in the Bills game on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it, it's just, yeah. Oh, it, it was frustrating. It was a hard watch. Um, it raises some serious questions for you know for you know how serious uh, the Saints can be here in these final uh, few weeks in the in the regular season. No doubt, and uh, we we will get into that. The Saints. Uh, it kind of felt like a bottom out kind of game, a game where it's like, all right, well, we're done. But they're not done. The Saints are far from done. Uh, And we'll talk all about that and more in our questions of the week right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for the Fantasy Football Championship Week number 17. 
Quarterback Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks versus Detroit Lions. Wide receivers DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are back in business. And tight end Gerald Everett has been on the upswing in recent weeks. Running back Rashad Penny has managed to resurrect his early career hype in a span of three games. And through all of that, Wilson still hasn't been a fantasy factor since returning from surgery. That should change versus a Detroit defense that has given up six performances of at least 21 fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. While the Lions may be improved against the pass, there's just too much to contain, and Rush should get back to cooking at home. He's good for 250 and 2 at minimum. Running back Devin Singletary, Buffalo Bills versus Atlanta Falcons. In the last three weeks, Singletary is RB5 overall in PPR scoring. I bet you didn't have that on your fantasy football bingo card for December. Atlanta has struggled to contain the position in 2021, and Singletary's upswing has come at a perfect time to trust them as an RB2 in reception-rewarding formats. Running backs have averaged 21 PPR points per game against this defense in the last five weeks, and the season-long look at that number is 25.6, or 11% higher than the league average. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Detroit Lions at Seattle Seahawks. In a year full of big-name rookie receivers, St. Brown's 74 receptions trails only Jalen Waddle's 96. Last Sunday, nine catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown came with Tim Boyle under center, showing he can deliver regardless of the quarterback. Jared Goff is due back this week after being activated from the COVID protocols. Seattle has permitted 15 receivers to catch at least five passes in 2021. In the last five weeks, only Cooper Cup has more catches, and just Cup and Justin Jefferson have more targets than this rookie. Even if Seattle manages to keep him out of the end zone, St. Brown has had enough volume go his way to suggest that he can overcome it. Tight end Foster Moreau, Las Vegas Raiders at Indianapolis Colts. Moreau once again will be the primary tight end if Darren Waller cannot play through a knee injury. Indy has given up top three numbers for yardage and receptions in the last five weeks, and Moreau has been trending in the right direction with 10 plus PPR points in consecutive games after being mostly quiet during Waller's absence. While trusting Moreau is risky, the Colts offer an amazing opportunity in PPR scoring. Best of luck in your championship quest. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, John, it's our questions of the week. Three questions for you that you were not prepped on. And here's question number one. Give me your top New Year's resolution for the Saints entering the 2022 season. They have got to find a quarterback. Now, I know there's a, I know that the, the Jameis fans are, are out here. They're, they're, wanting, they're wanting to run it back with Jameis. I, uh-huh. I totally get it. Um, there, there, were some, there were some encouraging things from him. Jameis Winston coming off of a season-ending knee injury cannot be your first option uh, going into the 2022 season. You've got to bring somebody new into the building. You've got to try. You've got to look for an upgrade. And I think there's going to be upgrades available. And so whether it's going for a big fish like Russell Wilson, uh, going for you know maybe a lateral move, you know, in like a Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't, I don't know, just some, or, or someone, they, they, they've got to, to bring in a new, bring in some kind of a new quarterback. They've got to fix this problem. Uh, because we can't go into the season with a turnover-prone draft uh, bust who is coming off of the season-ending injury. That cannot be your best option. If, if, if it is for the 2022 season, like, it's going to be just as frustrating as this one was. So that, that's got to be uh, number one for me, is finding a new quarterback, uh, getting your offense back on track, 
and finding some reasons for optimism on that side of the ball in, in, in the new year. Quarterback and wide receivers. I mean, those are the only answers to that mm-hmm. question, right? we got we got to improve both of those areas Absolutely. Uh, significantly. Significantly. All right, question number two. The Saints, uh, John, have now set an NFL record by using 57 different starters this season, according to ESPN. I'm sure they, they could probably get up to 60. Let's not, uh, let's not challenge them on that. So is there a better way to explain this Saints season, or does that about do it for you? That does, yeah, and that's kind of the story for the NFL. So that record has been broken twice. Uh, well, well there's two, there were two teams tied for it over the last two years with, with the Dolphins last season, incidentally, and the Texans this year. Uh, you know, COVID has really shaken up roster construction across the league over the last uh, 24 months, and it's really been uh, difficult for, for teams to work around. And so you've seen, you know, a variety of starting lineups. You've seen a lot of players, uh, you know, get on the first team defense that probably shouldn't be there. Um, and that was the case for the Saints uh, on Monday night where they had Ian Book starting his first game. Yes, uh, um, Winston Jr. on his, starting his, his first game at wide receiver. Um, they worked a lot of guys in the lineup who hadn't been there before, probably shouldn't be there again uh, this, this season. Um, and it really does tell the, you know, tell the story of the of 2021 for the Saints where, you know, the, the train went off the rails, and you've got to – you're really testing your depth here. And as we saw against Miami, the, the, their depth was, was lacking. All right, question number three, John. The Saints can still make the playoffs. And if you think back, like a couple weeks ago, going into that Tampa Bay Bucks game, we were kind of judging where the Saints were and, and how they could make the playoffs. And a lot of people, self-included, thought that they would probably lose to the Bucks, And then it was like, well, if they just win out their last three, they'll probably get in. They'll be fine. And that ended up flip-flopping, right? The, uh, the Saints beat the Bucks, but they lose to the Dolphins. And we can still look at it through the same lens, right? Actually, when you do it this way, yeah, the Saints lost to the Dolphins. It felt like a really bad loss. It feels like they're screwed. But actually, not, you know, because of that win over the Bucks, if you're going to lose one of those two games, you might as well lose the Dolphins game because it doesn't hurt your tiebreakers in the NFC, right? So the Saints are very much still alive in this thing. We shouldn't lose hope here. Their playoff chances are, are down to 35% according to the, the 538 website. But, you know, fans should still be rooting for the for New Orleans to sneak their way in, John, right? Or or are you into that, or are you, would you rather just get, on, get it onto the offseason and, and reset this thing and fix this thing, like you kind of would say with the quarterback and, and all these other things? Are you, are you still rooting for New Orleans to sneak their way in because they definitely have a shot still? Oh, yeah. I think, I, I, this is a team that can go anywhere in the NFL and they, they can win a playoff game still, uh, especially once they, get, once they get a bunch of players back from the COVID list. Um, I, I, I fully expect them to win their last two games uh, sneak into the play, possibly sneak into the playoffs, and that, that's what I would like to see. I, I, w- I want them to, you know, go to Dallas, or Arizona, or Green Bay in the wild card round, and sneak away with the win. I think they could do that. They, they, they could absolutely do it. They, they've beaten Green Bay this year at an equal site. They, uh, they they took the Cowboys, played them pretty 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 close for for a long time, missing some players. Um, they they've spent a very the, the Saints have shown up for their biggest games this season when they've been healthy. And I could I could very easily see that being the case again in January. They could go out on the road, win a road playoff game, get knocked out in the, in the second round. You know, I said back in November that was their destiny, and I really haven't changed my, my take on that. So, you know, from a team-building perspective, I understand the fans who want them to just lose out, tank, get, get a good draft pick, and move forward. 
I don't know about that because we, <laughs> the Saints don't have a great recent history in the first round. So to me, it doesn't make that much of a difference if they're picking at 13 or 19 or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I want them to keep winning games, don't the season to, to keep going on, keep going strong and give fans some reason for hope moving forward. And I think that that winning a game they have no business or even competing in in the postseason, I think that would do a lot to boost the confidence in, in this roster, in this coaching staff for this for 2022. That, that, that's what I want to see them do. Yeah, there's no chance the Saints are gonna are gonna try to tank against two division opponents to end the year. Come on, there's there's no way, right? We got the no. Panthers, we got the Falcons, and uh, who the hell's playing this week? Does, are, will the Saints have their roster back? I'll get John's take on that, and we'll talk about the spread between the Saints and the Panthers right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.usaday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Browns favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 40 and a half. My pick is the Steelers plus three and a half points. It's a pros versus Joes game with more money coming in on the Steelers, but more bets being placed on the Browns. Also, since 2011, the Steelers are 7-1-1 one, and one against the spread when getting three points or more at home. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? I'll take the Steelers plus 3.5 as well. Baker Mayfield has thrown eight picks in his last five games and has just one game with over a 60% completion rate. I'll ride with the better quarterback in his last home game that was your typical sportsbook minute for a limited time new users in colorado and new jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast that's usatodaybet.com slash podcast ttypico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey 1-800-522-4700 in colorado All right, John, the Saints are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Panthers, uh, you know, a Carolina team that has lost five straight. Uh, they've joined the tankathon race, I think, right? They've worked their way into the top ten for next year's draft, and they're using Cam Newton and Sam Darnold at quarterback. It's, it's not good over in Carolina. The Saints should have a, a nice advantage in this game, no matter who's in the lineup. But who, who the hell's going to be the lineup, John? Who are we getting back? Do you, are you feeling confident that – We'll be able to have you know enough guys back to uh, to go knock off Carolina this week. Yeah, yeah, I think the, I think they should, they should get a lot of their top guys back. Um, just knowing this team's uh, vaccination status, knowing how seriously they've taken this process all season long, um, I, I think that they'll be close. They'll be as close to full strength as you can be at this point in the season. And so I think that they're. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll, they'll have most of the starting lineup back together. Um, and that should be a significantly better roster than the Panthers can put out there. You know, they, they've got no Christian McCaffrey. They've got this weird system with a, a washed-up Cam Newton and a you know, just bad Sam Darnold yeah. uh, splitting reps at QB. Um, this, this really shouldn't be much of a challenge for, for, for the Saints, uh, especially considering all the COVID issues that Carolina is having. You know, they lost uh, Brian Burns, Jack Thompson, a lot of, a lot of their impact defenders in the front, in the front seven uh, to the COVID protocols on Monday. So, while the NFL did change the, did change that window from ten days to five, that's still going to be challenging for for all those guys to get back in time. So, um, 
if they're undermanned up front, uh, to me, that this feels like a, like a get-right game for the Saints' offense, potentially, um, especially if they can get Deontay Harris back, uh, who just ended his, or Deontay Harkey now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. be name. careful there. Uh, yeah, yeah. How many times will yeah, we yeah. do that? <laughs> we'll do that many times going forward. <laughs> yeah, um, but if, they can get, if they can get him back, he's the leading receiver on the team. Um, that that would be a, a, that would be huge. And so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really optimistic about this Panthers game for New Orleans. Yeah, you know, Miami on Monday night, they're a competent opponent, right? They've they've been on a hot streak. They've been winning a bunch of games. I think they've won seven, what is it, eight in a row now? Seven or eight in a row for Miami. The Panthers are not. You know, they're not. And, and But you got to look at the Saints, too. They have not scored a touchdown, John, in back-to-back games. So, uh, you know, maybe it's fair to be a little wary of trying to cover a touchdown spread. But I think I would back the Saints at this number, and I would probably jump on it early in the week because it could climb, right? It could climb as... We learn more about COVID. Maybe Carolina's situation worsens. Maybe the Saints' situation um, has already gotten as bad as it will be, and, and they improve. So I think six and a half, I, w- I think I'd probably jump on the Saints now before that line climbs. But I, I think I would definitely back the Saints at this number. You feeling that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Carolina, they're five and ten. Their season, is, their season is in the tank, whether that rule knows that or not. Um I think the Saints have some pretty clear advantages in this matchup, and that feels like a very friendly line. All right, the total is 38.5, and and this is interesting. If you've just blindly bet the under in Saints games over the past five, John, you would have cashed every single time. The, the The last Saints game to go over was Week 11 against Philly, that 49-29 game. Um was it 49-29? I think uh, maybe I had that score wrong, but it was something like that. The Eagles were over 40 points. Every game since then has gone under for the Saints. I don't know if I see that trend breaking this week, right? I, I think 38 and a half feels feel, feels just about right, and it feels it feels just fine sticking with this trend and going under. What do you think? Do you think this is going to be another low-scoring kind of slug-it-out kind of game? Yeah, I think so. It's going to be kind of gnarly. Uh, the Saints, you know, they, they, they just don't have the firepower to put up, you know, 35, 38 points consistently like we've seen them do in the past. Um I would be surprised if they get the 30 here because even if the, if the Panthers' defense is missing some players, it's still a talented unit and they're still going to give New Orleans some trouble. And the same need to help that the Saints quarterbacks are pretty bad. So it's, it's going. To, <laughs> so I'm very tempted to just blindly take the under there. Um, it helps. So my thinking there is both the Saints have really struggled to score any points and the Saints on offense. The Saints' defense has done a fantastic job of limiting points. You know, uh, they've only get – they've They've not given up. Uh, I'm looking at the standings now. Okay, so the Eagles game, that they gave up 40. That's the most they've given up all season. Since then, they've given up 31, 27, 9, 0, 13, uh, not counting the pick six uh, you know, to Miami <laughs> on Monday night. So the, the Saints defense has, been, has done its job over the last month. They, they, they've been outstanding um, against some very, you know, against some quality opponents there. Right? It's been a while since Tom Brady was shut out. So, the I've got some confidence in the Saints defense to show up against Carolina and the Saints offense. You know they'll do their best. <laughs> so yeah. to me, I'm, yeah. I'm inclined to take the under. Here. Yeah, it's a good recipe for the under. Everything you just said is a good recipe for the under. And yes, the defense has been great. They're not allowing touchdowns, and the offense isn't scoring many touchdowns. And and this is why the unders cashed in five straight weeks for the Saints. So look at the under 38 and a half. Uh, John, what's your New Year's Eve routine? A lot of college football. Like what, what's going on with you? So with, with Christmas falling on on a, on a Saturday, uh, the, the previous weekend, uh, we're going to get together with some friends to have a have a joint uh, Christmas exchange and New Year's Eve party. So we'll, we'll get together, shoot off some fireworks, um, 
have a bonfire going. That'll be nice. And then the next day, I've got um, the uh, the New Year's Six Bowls. Uh, hopefully, no more of those get canceled. Uh, that, that should be a good time. And uh, lot, lots of food. Might make some soup. And it should, should be a good, a good weekend for us. Have a really happy New Year, my man, to you and yours. Thanks, bud. You as well. Yeah. And, and the same to all the listeners. We'll be back next week to break down Saints-Panthers and hopefully look ahead to the playoffs. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.